Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, welcome everybody. It's The Session. Thanks for joining us here on a Monday night. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys are having a good week and hope this show gets you off to a good beer drinking week and more importantly, the weekend. We are joined by Exhibit A Brewing Company out of Framingham, Massachusetts. This is Kelsey and Matt. What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it. I got the beer last week or whatever. It's been hanging out super cold in my fridge. I'm very excited for it because I saw you not only have a Kolsch, but a uh, a Mexican-style lager. And I knew right away the show was going to be good. <laughs> I knew right away that you guys were going to be a uh, fun group to talk to because those are two of my favorite styles. And uh, what I'm just going to do is actually just bust open this Kolsch right now, and uh, we can talk a little bit about your background, and uh, we'll get into the beer a little bit. But uh, how did you guys uh, end up starting Exhibit A Brewing, or... Are you, you know, what's the, uh, what's your, your history there with the brewery? Uh, so, so with a partner, I started, uh, this company and actually Kelsey was our first hire and, uh, and still with us, of course, five years later. 
Uh, Exhibit A was founded in 2015, officially, but we opened in 2016. And uh, at 81 Morton Street, the former location of Jack's Abbey. And I hired Kelsey to kind of lead our marketing and kind of tap room approach to the part of our business. And okay. I was going to take over all the production. Yeah. We have since added so many people to this team uh, to assist in those ventures. Uh, Kelsey. You got to do it. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Well, I'm, I came from uh, like a video producer, uh, media graphic design background and um, worked for several years uh, for a uh, craft beer retail franchise oh, and nice. helped them help them grow from like a, a two store business to 26 stores across the country. Excellent. And um, so I had you know some experience in the front front of house kind of retail side of things. And uh, so when Matthew put the word out there that he was looking for, um, you know, somebody to kind of take over that portion of the business. I was like, Hey, I can do that. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I came in and I said, uh, first thing I said is your logo's crap. Like we need a new logo. No, did you really? <laughs> and he fixed yeah. it. Yeah. He fixed it. In those words, um, please tell me uh, it was those specific words I, because I think I was a little nervous still. So okay. I, I was a little more genteel about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Because that uh, would be take clear, I, to be clear. I was not in love with the original logo. So. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, man. My original logo for for my other show was just like my wife did it, and I was like, "It's it's a logo, and this is what we're going to use." Because I don't have any other better ideas. And sometimes I feel like yeah. was it that way, Matthew, where you just had to be like, "Well, we need a logo," and I don't really want to. I don't know enough about it. Honestly, I've I've forgotten about that timeline. I, <laughs> okay. I don't remember anything before Kelsey BK before Kelsey. Oh, nice. I don't <laughs> yeah. remember that design, that design, uh, experience. Some, sometimes it's best to, to forget yeah. those little things. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. <laughs> Cause he's like, I have it tattooed on me just as a, as a memento for what's like, going on. A reminder. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. You were able to come on and just, and make a, a it sounds like a, a pretty impactful, you know, statement with, uh, with, you know, the logo redesign and all that kind of stuff. Had you had any brewing experience before? Uh, no. Um, any so home brewing? I still, have, I still have not brewed a single drop of beer. In okay. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and people keep go asking me, you know, like, oh, you know, are you interested in home brewing? Have you ever home brewed before? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, when I was working in retail, I was like, I'm surrounded by the world's best beers. Yes. And now I've got a team of some of the world's best brewers working right behind me. Like, why am I going to brew my and drink my own crappy stuff um, <laughs> when I can drink world class beers that are made, you know, by my friends and coworkers? <laughs> yeah, I get that. It's sort of like the the reverse of being a home brewer. Like, that's where I am right now. Where it's like, why am I going to home brew my own crappy beer? When I can just go to the store, I mean, my, my, my craft brewery is the local store. You just go and you go, okay, I'll grab this one or I'll grab this one. That's my home brewery. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, every once in a while it's fun to dabble. But, you know, I guess coming from a creative side, I mean, you know, we always say home brewing lets you be creative and it's that creative outlet. But coming from a video production side and a graphic design side, it sounds like you already fulfill that need to sort of, you know, muck about. Yeah, I you know I I do the label design as well for for the cans and stuff. So so there's definitely ways that I can exercise my creativity and um yeah. you know it's still fun to chat with everybody and come up with new beer ideas and things like that. And um but then you know the technical aspect is like here you go. 
like, <laughs> like put some put some fruit in there, and, and yeah, uh, and then we're good. <laughs> you guys are doing great. This is all good. <laughs> or please don't put fruit in there. <laughs> no fruit and colch. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big uh, that's a big part too. Matthew, tell me a little bit about the name Exhibit A Brewing. How did that come about? So originally it was kind of thin air, actually, but uh, as we started to discuss the word exhibit, um, it started to become clear. Before Exhibit A was created as a name, uh, my partner said, you know, you're always on, you know, it's always a presentation. You're always like fish in a fishbowl. And he came up with the word exhibit. And then we were kind of talking about it and how exhibit didn't really complete what we were trying to say. And then it just kind of happened. It was like it was said. He said, Exhibit A, what do you think? We could name the real estate company Exhibit B. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. Something as silly as that. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't get it. I don't think so. And then we slept on it. And then we were like, actually, this is perfect. Let's start making other decisions besides this one. Yes. And, uh, and we decided very quickly, we knew that people would kind of veer towards this law thing. So we did kind of come up with some beer names that would, you know, kind of, kind of tease that a little bit. And yeah. none of us are attorneys we hire attorneys, you know, we're, <laughs> sure. you know, we're not. And, uh, and I thought it would be kind of an interesting approach. Like, you know, beer names tend to be like, or, or brewery names tend to be like location based, yeah. uh, you know, flowers or trees or, or animals. And, uh, I don't know, we put that stuff in our beer names, I suppose, but we just thought it was, it'd be fun to tell the story because the story actually is, it's not that it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I don't know how to put it, but it has become exhibit a, we are the presentation, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Uh, you know, because yeah, it, it, as soon as I, I saw you on the sheet, as soon as I saw the beers come in, I was like, okay, well there has to be a, some sort of law backstory, but right. I sort of like the fact that there's not, and you took that, that law aspect of presenting facts. These are the facts to, uh, you know, to, to support my case. And I, I like that you sort of took that and then used that literally, yeah. Like this and is, this, this is my beer. That you and I are both drinking goody two shoes. Like it just, that term, I thought about innocence and it just kind of like, I think I, my wife even might've said like goody two shoes. That's kind of like innocence. And I'm like, Oh, that could be the Kolsch. Okay. Yeah. I, it was six months before I brewed that beer when we thought about the name, you know? Wow. And, uh, and it literally has become the, in, as far as I'm concerned, the soul of our brewery. Now, when when you said that you were you were trying to find a name that sort of showcased what you were trying to say with your brewery, what are you trying to say? What's your sort of ethos about brewing and starting a brewery, and why did you want to get into this very competitive, uh, you know, market that we have in beer? I mean, the, the easy answer is I had no choice. Um, it's the like only it. thing I'm pretty good at. Okay, um, I've been brewing for 23 years professionally. Oh, I nice. uh, have worked in brew pubs, regional breweries, uh, started a couple brands. Um, and yeah, I just kind of refused not to be a brewer um, yeah. when I had other options. Not that my other options were all that amazing, but <laughs> I did have some options. Uh, the but, tire business was one of them. Well, and you're, um, you're like, you're one of those, like, um, I don't know, man, the, the, the roadies, right. Where like, you just, you never say die. You're in the business cause it's in your blood. It's under your skin. Yeah. You can't yeah, help but be a part of that, and I think that's I cool. Can't get out. Yeah, no, I can't it, get out. <laughs> it's neat. It's neat. I I was gonna say like old guard, but that's not really that's not really what I you meant. You can You're, say that. No, Kelsey's but it, little, Kelsey's two years <laughs> older than me. But whatever. You can say 
<laughs> well, to have 23 years experience, I mean, that's pretty, that's a ton of experience. And to just not, not stop, to keep going yeah. and that perseverance, yeah. uh, I think is a pretty cool story, man. I like, I like hearing that. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I like feeling it. <laughs> do I you do. though? You're getting up at four o'clock in the morning still, man. What's going on? I don't know. I was doing the same thing at John Harvard's in the nineties, but <laughs> for whatever reason, it's just how I roll. I like to mash in early. Okay. You know? You're one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, it definitely annoys the production crew. There's no question, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm first in and no one's there till seven 30 tomorrow. So actually Kyle's mashing oh. in with me tomorrow. So nice. I've got someone with me, but, oh. but yeah, yeah, usually I, I, and I can get behind that too. That was what resonates whenever we have brewers come on that, Talk like you do. We're like, oh, I really like being in there early. There's no one there. I can yeah. sort of just crank the music up to 10 and just do my thing. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I appreciate that. And then when it's like, oh, here comes the first shift. Yeah, shift. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to go. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, can, I can dig that for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Kolsch, the Goody Two Shoes. Here's the mm-hmm. uh, can. All right, now, Kelsey, this and was here, you. And here's the, here's the Stanga. Oh, nice. You got the nice yeah, glassware and everything. The, Look at you. Yeah. Official glassware. Yeah. Got the shoes on the back. Um, so I didn't dry, draw those exact shoes. Um, so we had some pre-existing artwork for the, the shoes and the cat um, when I came on board. So I uh, did more of the, the can layout for these. Okay. Um, nice. So I'm more of a designer than an illustrator. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, uh, yeah, I know the, the, you know, the idea of that can as well as the cat can um, and uh, and hair razor, which is our double IPA, is there. Uh, it has a front and a back. You know, usually a can just has a front. And um, I'm glad you told me that, dude, because I had yeah. no idea. Now I'm shocked <laughs> and excited to show <laughs> this really to everybody. see it on here. Yeah, it's, it's all messed up. Here's the front. Yeah. Two sides of every story, you know. Yeah, so like, two sides to every story. So, um, so we want to be able to show the front and the back, and every good story begins with Exhibit A. We like to think. I like that. <laughs> I think that, that's a pretty cool idea. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I think that's a fairly original label design that I've seen. I've seen a lot of them, but I forget a lot of them too. So, um, yeah. that's a cool idea, man. That's very clever. I like it, Matt. Tell me a little bit about this beer. Uh, you said that this is sort of your. Uh, the linchpin of your of your lineup is this a recipe that that you had and have been carrying around with you, or did one of your brewers make it up, or how did we? Uh, no, I, about I I designed the beer, but uh, you know we we spent a lot of time thinking about ingredients before we brewed beer, and um, you know you asked about my shirt before, and I do have a Valley Malt shirt on. Valley Malt, um, Valley malt okay. is a local local malt house here in in Massachusetts. And Andrew and Chris Stanley are uh, the owners and maltsters, and they have developed some incredible grains that that we use, and uh, we've developed some stuff with them as well on the roasted side. But for this beer, we wanted some Vienna. We wanted a very tiny bit of wheat, uh, the warthog wheat we get from New York, um, from Ochsner Farms, and, you know, German Pilsner. You know, there's nothing more appropriate in this beer than an authentic grain from Germany. And so I like to think of it as our kind of authentic tribute um, to a place, to a style, to the people there in Cologne. And, you know, it's grainy, it's crystal clear, it drinks crispy, you know, it's dry. Uh, There it looks. Yeah, I like how that one looks. Um, The one I'm drinking actually was canned uh, on Friday or on Thursday. 
um, it's all equally crystal clear and beautiful. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I often say that I feel like this beer is the soul of our brewery. I, I think that's probably more about when the shift is over, look at the brewers and what are they drinking? And until Right to Farm came out, they were all drinking Kolsch every day. And now, you know, half are drinking shoes, half have Right to Farm, you know. Which and is, I think that's, yeah. What's Right to Farm? What, what style that's is that? The, that's the Mexican lager. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mexican, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's I, what Kelsey's drinking. Yeah, yeah. that's a coin flip so, for me, man. Either uh, one. Yeah. So, yeah. so for us as brewers, it's like, you know, we're getting hammered with, with hops constantly. You know, like how many more IPAs do we need to drink for a shifty? Um, and a four or 5% beer at the end of your shift, uh, or two, um, is I think the most appropriate way to finish. Um, and for me, this kind of beer is perfect because it's meant for that. It's meant for session. It's meant for, um, you know, drinking and having that experience with the people that you're surrounded by. You know, and that's, that's a good segue, Matthew, because, you know, you've, you've been in the industry a long time and, uh, you know, it's only sort of recently that I think a lot of breweries are re-embracing the Kolsch, like re-embracing lagers and Pilsners specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think we, you know, chalk it up to, well, they're brewers beers, just like you're saying, but brewers have always sort of looked for these beers. You know what I mean? So how, how do you, what's your take on, on why we're suddenly now seeing an explosion of Kolsch an explosion, not in the literal sense uh, of, you know, cans of lagers and, and, you know, lighter beers like this hitting the marketplace and sort of resonating with, with more people than, than we have seen before. I mean, you're asking us why people are making these decisions. Yeah. I think on some level, I mean, Kelsey can speak on the marketing side of that, but I think for us, like when, when people come to our brewery, we approach them with, you know, what do you like? But if they're going to lean right towards IPA, then we know what, we know what they want. That's easy. Like, Get out of their our, way. Here's our four IPAs that we have. Yeah. But if they're like, well, you know, I like to try a little bit. And then we go right to Kolsch. Okay. And I think that it's about the brewery's desire to teach and guide and um, help, you know, sort of, you know, yeah, teach the palate a little bit. Um, I think the Kolsch style has taken a beating over the last 20 years <laughs> Yeah, man. in this market, you know, just in, in, in the U S and uh, you know, we don't really know Kolsch as well as we think we do. No, um, we don't. Yeah, and, and, no. and with this, like I said, I don't know, Renaissance or whatever you want to call it, what fancy word you want to put on it. But Kolsch now is not like Kolsch in like the early two thousands, you know, where it was sort no. of watery where it's the, it's, Oh, Kolsch. Well, that's a thin beer with really no flavor. Maybe a little bit of hops, but not really. And then uh, maybe some esters, but also then not really. Here, here's this, you know, thing. And in in go, getting to your Kolsch, which is night and day difference, because like you're saying, it is grainy. There is some oomph to it. There is flavor. This is a a complete round aspect of what a Kolsch style is. At least the Kolsch that I like to drink. I've never been to Cologne, so I I have no idea what it's like right there at the source. You know what I mean? But these are the these are the types of culture that I like to drink because yeah, there is I mean, that I like grainy. To, there I like is to that. think about like I, I brewed some of those, you know, let's just call them average American golden ales that we called Kolsch in 2001 or two or three or whatever. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I think brewers did a little bit of a disservice. Um, we weren't maybe doing it in an authentic uh, way, mm -hmm. um, trying to bang out some 
crystal clear golden ale real quick. I forgive you. Easy. It's fine. I forgive you. You're, you're absolved of your <laughs> I mean, I was making three-week Kolsch beer at John Harvard's in the 90s, so that I know. But, like, now we spend, <laughs> we spend five to seven weeks making this beer. And oh, bless you. It's, you know, it's appropriate for the style. It's, it's, it's better to do it this way. You know? Is it? I, I apologize. I'm, I seem to be like just picking on your past, but is it? Is mm-hmm. how, how was that sort of transition? You see what I mean? Because it it feels like not even just a, a pivot as far as oh just processes, but I would imagine some sort of mental capacity of like, well, I can't think of a Kolsch as this anymore. It has to be elevated. It has to be. I have to move and change my aspect on on how I approach this style because that's what I like. Yeah. Is that I tough read every to do? book I could. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I read about it. I, yeah. I, I have not been to Cologne as a, as a proper adult. Mm-hmm. I went, I went in the eighties as a, as a, as a high school student and I did drink Kolsch. There, there. you go. Attaboy. Um, but, but I need to go back. In fact, luckily my nephew is living in Frankfurt now. Oh no. Uh, taught himself German during COVID and now is going to getting his graduate degree in Germany. Um, and, wow. uh, yeah, he's he's far more brilliant than all of us. Um, but he uh, so he's like, when are you coming? Because we're we're going to Bamberg. We're going everywhere. So oh, dude. that's in 2022. I got Uncle Traveling track. Matt. There you go. Yes. Get a Fraggles reference in for and somehow. Coming, <laughs> <laughs> and we're coming with his father. So it's going to be interesting. Oh, man. It'll be great. That It'll sounds great. like a good time, dude. Yeah, but I think that it's 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 reading up on the on the style and understanding the culture, I think, is important in this particular beer. Being yeah. that it's an Appalachian, you know, and uh, and also, you know, just tr- trying every single Kolsch we can. I mean, I, if there's a Kolsch at a brewery, I'm drinking that beer. That, say, I don't quite frankly care about all their other beers as much as I care about that one. 100% same. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not not specifically, but definitely Kolsch, any lager, any type of lager, under 6%, yeah. I'm going to drink it. But I, I guess what's fascinating to me is is that the, the shift, and, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to belabor the point too much, but just the change over the years in your own professional brewing of changing how the Kolsch is made and, and kind of, you know, making it, it sounds like you've, it's like your, uh, your, you know, if every superhero has a logo, like Kolsch would be your logo. It sounds like. Yes, I am Kolsch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch me brew at four thirty in the morning for seven weeks <laughs> on my yeah, Instagram think, this morning. <laughs> and I think yeah, to the point of, you know, this kind of paradigm shift that we're seeing, yeah. um, you know, I think it's the the beer drinker, you know, like when they first start getting into craft beer, they're just like, oh, my God, flavor. You know, it's like you grow up drinking, you know, Bud Light, you know, or, um, you know, at best. And, um, you know, so you discover craft beer and you're like, oh, my God, flavor. And it's hops or it's, you know, pastry stouts or whatever it is. And um, and then you kind of start exploring what else is out there and you start to come to, I think, appreciate, um, you know, the history of where the beer came, beers came from and classic styles and, and gaining a develop, a more developed palate in that sense. So I think what we're seeing is the, the craft beer market take that shift a little bit to uh, going back to, you know, really well-produced lagers and really well-produced yeah. beers like Kolsch and, um, and some Saison's and things like that. Yeah, it feels like the sensationalism has sort of been sucked out a little bit and sort of more authenticity has sort of been injected in. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with yeah. that. Well, but there's like the race to the extreme and then there's the other side. Yeah, that know, pendulum, so. you know, yeah. hopefully it just 
someone puts a magnet in the middle. That's where I want. I want to be in the middle. <laughs> moderate, moderate in, in, in beer. Um, yeah, this is a, a great Kolsch. I really like this. There's a, you know, a little bit of honey coming through now. It's warming up a little bit. But you still get that very nice grain aromatic, almost like 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 you're mashing in. Like I could I could walk into the to the brewery now and know that you're brewing this beer. I feel like from the aroma, that's excellent, Kolsch. Come over on Thursday. <laughs> I'll be I'll be right there, man. Yeah, I like it. That's very good. Good job on that. We are super proud of it. It's also the funny thing about that beer is it's received the most accolades. Uh, industry accolades oh. but if you look but if you look at untapped and you look at like our ipas it's like not even close it's what, pretty funny is is this ipas do better on untapped sure yeah, yeah i mean easy. I, <laughs> I feel like that's a beer name i don't mean the style's easy i just mean that it's easy to give a four to an ipa yes right and and if you're if you're not as educated and you're rating beers and you drink a cold that isn't te- something that you typically understand or drink, right? Then I understand why you gave it a three. I'm sort of mad about it. Yeah, well, I'm sort of mad about it, but I understand. <laughs> and and those are the things that I love to hate about that site because it's <laughs> it's inundated with this isn't my particular style. I don't like this style. Two out yeah. of five. I hate it. But you just want I the check in. Style. Yeah. 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 Are you guys untapped people as far as you know? following intently on, on who's saying what about your brewery, your brewery and your beers. I, I mean, Kelsey, I, I try to keep him off of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're the shield. I'm like, Matthew, stop looking at untapped. <laughs> and more importantly, stop commenting to people yeah. about it. <laughs> I have made a lot of friends that way. And a couple of enemies where, you know, like, I'm like, I get it. You didn't like this, but could you at least give me like the date of the can? Like what was the reason why it was so terrible? And if the answer is I don't like the style and you gave it a one or two or whatever, what I can't, I, I can't be, I can't fight that. that no. That's a fight. I don't have any interest. <laughs> My favorite response was, uh, uh, somebody replied, uh, to, you know, we, we said, you know, why the bad review, you know, was it a bad can or whatever. And, uh, their response was, I don't like IPA. So I'm going to keep rating them low. So brewers stop making them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. God, so, you I, found, I can't argue with that. You found my untapped burner account. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> and that's, I think, person crusade that's I think the problem with, you know, some sort of social media in general, but specifically rating things because the person on the other side thinks that they're making an impact because that's sort of how it's marketed to you. You know what I mean? Communicate with yeah. the water. But in actuality, it's like, you're not going to, you know, hold on you guys, you know, Ted's big foot, you know, 69, 420 on untapped doesn't like IPAs. Hold on. Let's stop making them. Right. It's going to be a thing. That's wild to me. I do think that it can be constructive. And I like the, yes. the, the typed out ratings. Like if you're going to give me a proper review and spend some effort and tell me about what you tasted and it was off or on or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm into it, whether you liked it or not. I okay. think the, the just number rating is, the, is part of, I think, one of the issues with that. Uh, I used to love reading beer advocate reviews of our beers or my beers over the years. Yeah. Um, and I have made friends through that actually. Oddly. Wow. Really? Um, even like rescued some people from hating, me. you know, like, no this, shit. like this brewer should not make beer. No, he, it clearly knows nothing. And then I'm like on that. I'm like, really? So these are my accolades. Like, why do you hate me so much? And my beer. And those people end up maybe even liking you and, and, and 
and might support the brewery. Wow, and and now and now Kelsey works for you, so that's I think it's <laughs> right. a, a good turnaround. Yeah, yeah, it is nice to turn yeah. around a critic, man. I had one who emailed me the other just the other day, calling me a, a the c word, well, and uh, I'm like, okay, yeah. and you know, you just engage with like you know some sort of you know restraint, and everything's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you gonna do? Not gonna change his mind, but maybe I did. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, see it as an opportunity to you know make a customer for life you know if you have a chance to turn that person around and um you know invite them for a beer you know and let's let's drink something together and yeah um, Yeah. (laughs) that's the hard part about you know having that happen when you run a podcast versus you know a a brewery right i can't can't really invite them on the podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and you sort of have to you know they expect a certain like uh interaction level you know, and it's like, well, not everybody's the same on the radio as they are in real life. And so anyway, it's it's a weird thing. But, yeah, customer service is hard. I was actually chatting with a, uh, a lady who works at a brewery uh, today about how customer service for breweries can be particularly hard because you have interactions like this where people clearly have been consuming. <laughs> and then they mm-hmm. want to tell you about it at that moment where they're, you know, inebriated enough to, you know, be vocal. And uh, that's hard. That's got to be tough. People drink and have opinions. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> yeah. Those two things mix really well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I did just crack open Right to Farm, the Mexican-style lager, which I, I love this style so much, and I'm very excited to drink this. And it says, brewed with locally grown corn, barley, and wheat, malted by Valley Malt in, what is it, Hadley? Hadley. Hadley, yeah. Mass. Okay. Yeah. So do me a favor. Tell me a little bit about Valley Malt and why why Valley Malt. So, oh my God, um, I mean, why not Valley <laughs> I know. Malt? Well, yeah, I mean, I was there smelling I was there. that I, colch. I could agree with you. I, I hiked a mountain and swam in their pool yesterday. Um, they happen to be good friends of mine. Wow, okay, um, nice. They're also m- my favorite supplier. Uh, don't tell that that don't tell my BSG rep that. But, <laughs> um, they are. I mean, they they will literally find grain for us to use that aren't typical. I mean, actually Andrea posted tonight that she's got triticale um, if we want some, but uh, what is that? So, so my whole point, the whole reason we even brewed this beer uh, was because we wanted a brewer besides me to come up with a, 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 a you know, a beer to a beer to brew, write the recipe, come up with the concept, the whole thing. Yeah. John yeah. Latuca, one of our brewers uh, who's, who's now our lead brewer, uh, came up with a recipe. Um, he said to me, can we get corn? You know, he was looking in the catalog on online of our, one of our larger suppliers. And I said, yeah, we can get corn from Valley Malt. We don't need corn from, you know, whatever, uh, commodity corn. So, so we, we actually have a pretty specific farm that we bought it from. Uh, it's one, you know, it's one field um, in New York. And uh, so we used, I, I think it was probably 30% corn or wow. something like that. Yeah. So there's like some amber corn uh, or uh, like, you know, sort of malt, uh, like a not crystal malt, but, you know, like red, like a red malt, um, okay. but obviously corn. And then just uh, kind of pale corn, Pilsner colored corn, if you will. Okay. Uh, and of course, uh, a bunch of Valley malt Pilsner as well. And uh, some other various grains. We use a, a, a kind of, Cara dextrin malt from them as well. We call va va Um, so it's mostly Valley malt. I mean, I think it's 95% or something and, or maybe all, I forget, but, um, 
the interesting part for us is that it's about supply chain. So there was, there's moments actually where we can't get grain right now from Europe, you know, getting grain from Europe takes 14 weeks. If I order, if I order a container of golden promise from Simpsons, it's 14 weeks. Now I can buy it from the warehouse, but you know, it, it just, it takes time and sometimes availability is at, are at risk. And we find that having this local supplier, you know, we happen to be a really good customer there. So they put us on a priority for sure. But, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we can always get their grain, you know, it's like yeah. amazing that it's available all the time and it's, you know, we're, and they're basically brewing or malting everything to order for us. So we, we have, a standing purchase order that's constantly in the system trying to get more grain. And uh, it's been an amazing relationship actually. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. sounds cool. Is there crystal malt in here? No, no, we so, actually don't have any crystal malt in our entire brewery. To tell you the truth. Really? Um, the, 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 the amber corn is kind of stewed as like a, like a crystal malt would be. Yeah. And that's but where it, I'm going yeah. with that. Like that's what yeah. I'm focusing on because it, there, it, it, you're getting some of those crystal malt, like lighter crystal malt flavors. Like, I don't know if I would go raisiny, but maybe a little bit of raisiny. Yeah. Um, and it's, it sounds like it's coming from that amber corn. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. It would make sense. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> from a standpoint of like, like it, here's everything, you know, about brewing beer and then here's this one like you know integer or whatever that comes in and is like hey guess what you just learned something new and now i have to absorb that into my knowledge so base. the corn it's interesting because corn husk doesn't bring color like barley husk at all and in fact okay we believe that the color of this is actually more from the longer boil and the use of this dextrin malt with corn. Now, the corn that was amber and the corn that was not roast, not uh, no Maillard reaction was given to it, if you will. So it's okay. like Pilsner color. Yeah. Actually, in a steep test, deliver almost the same color. Oh, wow. The flavors are different. The flavors are more bready from the amber and almost a little like sweeter. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But not much, not like maybe a tint darker, literally not at all. Uh, much darker so that kind of sensory that we did with with andrea um on the corn showed us that like oh we could use this and get some character without so much color whereas if we put an amber barley into this beer it would be red i mean the beer would look like you know like an auburn yeah you know deep copper beer um yeah yeah i mean we love it that's wild man we keep wanting to make more of it (laughs) How do people like it over in uh, the tap room and, and you know, it does distribution? Great. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does really well. That's yeah, a number number two seller sometimes, uh, sometimes just edging out Kolsch um, in the beer garden. Uh, Cats Meow, our, our IPA is number one, but always. Um, of course. <laughs> Those untapped kids, they got to they gotta have yeah. something to click on. I mean, I could definitely see that, but, you know, when you want something with a little bit more of a sort of a darker mouthfeel, which I know don't make sense, but in beer that sort of makes sense. Uh, I could definitely see reaching for this, absolutely. And it doesn't it doesn't taste like like a traditional quote unquote Mexican style lager. And I'm right. I, I'm assuming it's because of the corn addition. I mean, thirty percent corn is a lot. Yeah, and deliberate. I mean, we wanted yeah. to really Im- have an impact from the corn. You know, it's like we don't we don't use ingredients uh, to just mess around. We want them to <laughs> highlight. 
we want to highlight them, especially sure. when it's on the malt side. I mean, hops, it's easy to do, you know, yeah. dry hop it with galaxy. And now it's got a galaxy thing on it. Call it galaxy dry hop, whatever. Right. And that's exciting to people. But if you tell people it's like, you know, malted amber maize, you know, like <laughs> people are less, it's not as sexy as hops for whatever reason. We don't know what happened with malt and its marketing team, but <laughs> yeah. they lost the sexy. Yeah. yeah well, cause know. you know, it's all about, you know, uh, fan levels and you know, it's like, that's really, it's not as cool yeah, as uh, yeah. alpha well, it's acid. Like, it's, it's like the offensive power. line in football doesn't get as much attention as the quarterback. Right. Even that's though right. Just as important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they're the backbone. They're the backbone of the team. They're the, you know, most the backbone of the beer. It really is. Yeah, I would love a uh, a Mexican style lager uh, beer festival. You know, they have IPA festivals and barley wine festivals. And, but I know now, like reason that now, but you know, recently within the last ten years, I feel like I hear more about like Pilsner focused mm-hmm. uh, uh, beer festivals. Yeah, there's a lot of lager events. I'm ready that, for it. That have come across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I know, uh, I mean, Oxbow does a great one up in Maine, Pills and Love, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I was going to say it's stuff. called Oktoberfest. <laughs> right. Oktoberfest <laughs> is a decent one. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's been around for a few years. That's true, a yeah. Tiny one. <laughs> the best time I ever had, well, not ever had, but, you know, it sounds cool. The best time I ever had was we went to, I believe it was Denver, and I want to say it was for Homebrew. I forget what it was. It was some event. And we just rolled into like a random bar and they were having like a, a mini Pilsner fest. And so every nice. beer was a lager and, and it was like, oh my, this, this exists. This is a thing. And this is like five, eight years ago. I never forgot it. I think about it from time to time. It sticks in my head because out here in San Francisco Bay Area, it's IPAs as far as you, you, know, you can see. And it's yeah. frustrating sometimes to go out. He's like, ah, I mean, especially you have, you have uh, now, what's but... the brewery that KDB used to work at? Um, one of our brewers. Oh, Trumer. Uh, Trumer. Oh, Trumer. Yeah. Yeah. Not... Yeah, yeah. Good logger. Tr- tr- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tr- Trumer is great pills. Uh, Justin, our, our other host loves Trumer pills. For me, the, the Esther it's, it's very, I haven't actually haven't, haven't had one in like 10 years, so I should revisit it, but it, it seemed very f- fruity. Mm-hmm. estery and that i didn't really i couldn't hang with at the time yeah it was yeah. just different for me but much respect for trumer they do a great job and they are they are the go-to sort of logger out here if you're not if you're not drinking anchor steam which you right. know whatever hybrid as far yeah. as on the logger scale of yeah. things yeah <laughs> anyway yeah this is good i i like this is a very good take on on a mexican style logger man i think it's great that corn edition is very good because it is it is light. The body's light as much as it it can be, but there is still some some body there and some 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 of those darker crystal malt esque flavors. It's kind of like cooking, you know. It's like yeah. your dish is only going to be as good right. as your ingredients. So uh, yeah. if you're using really good high quality ingredients, your end product's going to be that much better. Yeah, and that's that valley malt. That's what you guys are after. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 How long have you been? Hooking up with them since the beginning. Uh, they are since well since since the, uh, you know it's interesting. I met I met Andrea and Chris about ten years ago or twelve years ago when they first were starting. They had a little twenty pound malt system in their basement, and I was in between breweries and maybe it was ten years ago. And they, uh, I 
saw some posts that they were going to the beer fest and I emailed them and was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I live nearby you. I, we haven't met, but I'd love to meet you guys and talk about grain. I'm heading to the fest. And Andrew was like, why don't we drive together? So they picked me up and drove me to the fest and we hung wow. out the whole day and got to know each other. And then they slowly started growing and I was working for another brewery at the time. And I started using their ingredients. And in those days they were inconsistent and they were challenged with tons of, you know, trying to make the best malt they could out of the grain they had, which wasn't always great grain. So, okay, right. They, so their job then was to find farms that would grow malt quality, barley, wheat, rye, you know, everything. Wow. Um, and that was, I think, one of the hardest parts. And we've actually formed a group called the Northeast Grain Shed Alliance that is ab- that is the 400 mile. Uh, circle of farms, bakers, maltsters, brewers, distillers that that are all in it together to support the local the local supply chain of grain. That's rad, man. Yeah, and they are about to grow like crazy because they're about they're building right now a new malt house in uh, in in Holyoke, uh, where they're going to really increase their capacity and they're going to they're building a grain hub that will store and process and deal with logistics for farmers all their grain yeah that's wild to me that's i mean first of all that's crazy growth and that's really great because you know everyone needs access to custom malt especially when it's local i think that's cool you guys are really supporting the local economy chain and and all that kind of good stuff but it's even weirder that they didn't even know you and they just wanted to ride you at the beer fest like yeah you know what i mean because i've met a lot of weird asses at beer fest that i would never let anywhere near my car right well (laughs) they kind of they figured i wasn't i was harmless i was a brewer yeah, and, well, and Andrea has a that's funny who I was talking about. about. Yeah, Andrea has a funny story about that night because apparently when I got in the car, there was no question whether I'd been smoking a little bit of weed or not. <laughs> <laughs> so she immediately liked me and uh, apparently I stank good. But uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. We just became close friends right away, you know, and I think, you know, we shared a sensibility about um, wanting to do something different and better with yeah. beer making like local beer is only as local as what you're that is in it. And maybe, you know, you've got water, you've got labor, you've got local artists making your labels like Kelsey is, but what about the ingredients, you know, and the greatest hops are grown in Europe and then the North Northwest. So we don't really have that. Although we do have some hop farms around here growing amazing hops as well. Um, but fewer and further between than, than grain farmers, you know? Okay. So we had a lot, a lot of access, I guess, you know? And that is a good point. I mean, you want to try to be as local as possible. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of breweries that are, that are looking at this as a really important part of their business plans. I mean, yeah. Allagash has pledged to use a million pounds of main grown grains. I mean, wow, that's insane. <laughs> and it, you know, and they're doing that. They're not messing around. They're, sure. they're successfully af- executing that goal. Um, we, I thought that we would be, I figured 50,000 pounds of locally sourced grain in our beers would be like an amazing accomplishment. Um, in 2022, we'll do a hundred thousand. So, wow. Feels pretty good. Yeah. Congrats on that. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really great. Mm-hmm. I always wonder how the trajectory may have been different if like Matthew had walked out of the house with a pretzel necklace on, you know, and um, <laughs> you know, it's like a uh, beer, beer depository system, you know, right. <laughs> untapped open and ready to go. Yeah. yeah. I would have never, I would have never made it to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, guys, hang on just a second. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to crack open some more beers, and we're going to continue talking. You guys ready for that? Yeah, I'm going to do a quick close change. Do it. Is that all right? Sure, man. Yeah, do whatever you want. Um, all right, everybody, hang on just a second. It's Exhibit A Brewing Company. We'll be right back. Tuned into this session because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Hey, all right, everybody. Thanks for hanging around. We are back with Exhibit A Brewing in Massachusetts, and we have Kelsey and Matthew on the line. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for hanging on. Not like you can go anywhere. I mean, you know, I've hacked your computers. Uh, what are the next beers I should open? Are the the next uh, beer singular? I know. Kelsey's drinking a short cell, I think. What do you, I don't know what yeah, else. Yeah, I didn't have. send one of these though. Uh, um, this this had just come out. Uh, I think when I when I shipped the beers, but uh, uh, yeah, this is short cell. This is a, a session, uh, like an American IPA. Um, that's kind of like the the little brother to Market Gap that I sent over. Okay, um, so you should have you have that one. Well, I don't like that you that you've left out a, a, a tasty sounding beer. So that's I know. <laughs> uh, one one cap out of five for you. So I have Market Gap, I have the Cat's Meow, I have Briefcase Porter, and then I have a Hair Razor. Um, probably I would say either Market Gap or Cat. Unless you want to continue to talk about malt, then we can go straight to the porter. Go to porter. I love a porter, so let's continue talking about malt, and we'll hit some yeah. porter action. What do you think of that? I love it. Um, all right, tell me about briefcase porter here. Well, all the roasted grains in that beer come from Valley Malt, um, you know, because that makes sense to us. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, so they developed grains for us, with us, for for this beer. I mean, we, we have chocolate really? wheat. We have a brown malt. We have a, a chocolate malt, um, flaked barley, um, and uh, va-va-vom. <laughs> so when, malt. when you yeah. say, look at that color. Oh, God beautiful. Bless. Um, when you say you developed grain with them. Malt, I should say. Well, we malt, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we talked about what I you wanted, you know, what I would use from, say, the available larger malt houses like Weyermann or Simpsons or Crisp or any of the other European ones yeah. for American malt houses. I would go with Brees or RAR or another malt house that does roasted grains. And originally I thought, well, I ordered some from the UK and they came and they looked nice. And I'm like, Oh, these are a year old. Wow. That's, Ooh. that's not that's great. great. Um, but you know, year old grain is not uncommon. I mean, it only harvests once a year, right? Yeah, so, that's true. So, so um, you know, but roasted grains, really, I felt that sh they should be fresher. Um, and I talked to Andrea, and they bought a roaster and started roasting grain. Like, it was literally that simple. I mean, they were looking to get into the specialty line. Okay. You know, and uh, the first roaster was like a little 10-pounder. And then the second roaster was like, you know, a, a bigger 10 pounder, a better, more efficient 10 pounder. <laughs> okay. Now, all I think right. They do, each turn, it's like a coffee roaster now that they use. It's like 
got, you know, digital programmable, awesome. And then, but it's still done by hand and it's, you know, Margot, uh, who's their maltster, she's roasting all this grain and we buy a ton of it, you know, especially nice. this time of year. Yeah. Um, and we have, all, you know, she, <laughs> I, I, I saw her on, 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 was it Saturday and or Friday? I don't know what day it was. And, and, uh, she was like, Oh, I, I, you know, I'll get those, those other POs out to you, you know? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to put pressure on you. <laughs> I'm like now seeing the amount of work that she's doing for these <laughs> roasted grains. And I'm like, Oh my God, she had been roasting for like eight hours at that point. Like it was crazy. God, and she's, she's a warrior. She's amazing. So that sounds like she's our malt. She's our monster. But, um, and she's also the logistics person there that handles all the orders and deals with it, figures out the schedule. Um, but yeah, with, with Porter, it, it made perfect sense to lean very heavily on Valley Mall and to uh, find the grain. Like we built the beer around the grains we wanted to use, right? So it just made sense. And I love that beer enough to put my name on the label, which <laughs> was <laughs> something that we did. You mean like your, your, the, the brand or what do you mean? What's your... Like literally it says yeah, my name. Oh yeah. Just another <laughs> delicious Porter from Matthew Steinberg. Wow. Look at you. I had some history with Porter here in Massachusetts. So it, at the time it kind of made sense for us to give a little nod to the other Porters that I had brewed by saying that. Yeah. Are you, yeah, uh, I think it came from a social media comment, wasn't it? Like, uh, yeah. it, it was like the first time we were, uh, we were brewing by uh, Matthew was brewing Porter at, you know, at the brewery and he made a comment about like how great it smells. And he's like, Oh, you know, it's like, so, uh, such a great smell when you're brewing Porter and, uh, one of his friends commented, "Oh, oh, great! Just another delicious porter by Matthew Steinberg." <laughs> <laughs> that might have been um, that might have been either Jared or or one of those guys, the like the beer advocate crew that oh yeah, <laughs> that, that didn't like me so much at first, and then got to like. There me. you go. What's your history um, with porter? What do you mean? You just been brewing it a lot, or it's... I, I mean, it, porter was the first style of beer I made um, okay. as a home brewer, and that was in you know the. I'm going to just say mid nineties. It feels better to say mid nineties than early nineties. There you go. Um, and, uh, I worked for a brewery called Mayflower Brewing Company, um, several years later. And that beer got gold medal at GBB, yeah, great British beer festival. It ah. did very well at GABF. Wow. Nice. Um, we got some really cool accolades for that beer. And that is the one beer that people still come to me. Now, mind you, I opened that brewery with Drew, uh, in, let's see, 2008. And people still talk about that beer to me all the time. Really? All the time. And they still brew it. It still stands up. And <laughs> sometimes they, you know, people want to say, Oh, I, you know, I, I like briefcase, but like Mayflower, you know, they, they like, they still hold Mayflower in a certain place. Sure. And I kind of love that. Like, yeah. I, I'm fine with it. I, you know, just drink Porter, please. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just as a style, if you were to ask me like my favorite style of beer, I would say Porter, but it would be more about the brewing of it than the drinking of it just because it smells so good when you're making that beer. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. And if you drink our Porter, which you're doing, yeah. you can take, like you did with the, with the Kolsch too, you can taste the, the, the mash if you will. Yes. Yeah. You know, you can taste the grain. Like it is very clear what's happening in that beer. For me, the, the aromatics are definitely mash related. And sometimes I'll, you know, say that as, is like a, well, maybe it's under attenuated or, or there's like a sweetness to the, well, I guess 
differentiating between like smelling like mash and being wordy. Right. And I don't mean the latter. I mean the former. Yes. Right. Yeah. Definitely dry. Um, But it does smell like the grain bill. It smells like you're mashing in. Yeah. And to me, that is sort of a hard essence to capture because you have so much blow off and you have so much of this and so much of that. But if you have quality malts, which obviously you do, I think those aspects and those characteristics tend to, to translate a little bit more. We like to think that Valley Malt has their own terroir, which they absolutely do. Mm. And I think that what you're talking about is that. Like you're, you know, and you can yeah. get that from other malts. I mean, there's no question that you, when you brew with Wireman, like you taste in our, in our Kolsch beer, mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of a very different aspect of what you're getting from malt, but, you know, similar kind of approach. Yeah. Like I, Simpsons, Maris Otter or Golden Promise, you know, it's a very true. unique characteristic. Gorgeous malt. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know what? First of all, I, I agree with you on, on Porter. That is, that, that's one of the more underrepresented styles. And I was excited when I saw this in the box come through because I haven't had like a real porter in a long ass time. As much as I look porter, you got anchor porter right down the street. They, you know what? It, that is hard to find when it's out. It's weird. And I know, right? It's so bizarre. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they, they just went through that rebrand. And yeah. so you get a lot of the anchor steam in cans, which is cool. But even then it's hard. We're out. I mean, I'm out here in uh, what's called East County. I'm like an hour and a half away from the city. And right. it's it's like we're probably eight years behind the trend in East County <laughs> because it's just it's tons of IPAs and fruited yeah. sours and which seems counter to my point. But then it's hard to get stuff like Anchor Steam out here. It's, it's like it's, it's hard to get the traditional right the yes. standards. Right? Yes, yeah. it's fucking impossible. Um, yeah, I was I, when I was in college in Flagstaff, we were getting kegs fifty liters of Anchor Sierra whatever. Oh man, um, seventy nine dollars a fifty liter. Of Anchor Porter, I think I think Anchor Stout or uh, Sierra Stout was eighty nine dollars. It was like a little more, <laughs> you know? but I Ken, do love the style. I mean, I drink yeah. dark beer year round. You know? Yeah, and that was my other question: is is how seasonal is a dark beer like this for you guys? Because I don't know what your temp is out here, out there, but out here it's been a hundred for like five days, and I don't think Kelsey, anybody, much people, Kelsey are making take that one because you you're you got yeah. your fingertips on that. <laughs> Um, I know we definitely see a, a briefcase border. We do brew year round. Um, we do see a little bit of a drop off on, in sales. Um, but you know, during like the hotter months, but we've got our crew that, you know, our, our regulars that just drink quarter year round and Bless them. Uh, there's people who just like dark beer. And, yeah. um, you know, if you don't have nothing to offer them, then they have nothing to drink. So I think having something like Porter, especially on a hot day, it's only 5.4%. So it drinks light. Um, you know, it's not a heavy mouthfeel. It finishes dry. So it's not cloying like a, like a 10% stout could be. Um, so it's a, it's actually a nice, fairly refreshing Porter. Um, I always like to, uh, but one of my, my greatest porter stories with this is that we have a teaching farm in Framingham called Eastley Farm, and they hold events there. And uh, their event coordinator asked me if uh, we wanted to pour beer for a Civil War reenactment they do there every year. Uh, and I'm like, heck yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to I want to pour beer for a Civil War reenactment. Yeah, dude. Um, so uh, sure enough, like after that, like all the soldier, you know, the reenactors are done. They all come charging over the beer tent. And I brought briefcase porter and i brought um i want to say i think i brought good uh cat's meow the ipa and every single one of these these reenactors were coming up with their tin cups 
you know, to the, to the tent and saying, Porter, please, Porter, 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 Porter. <laughs> and it was just like, it was summer. Porter. I don't think I, I think I poured one cast me out. Yeah, yeah. This was in the middle of the summer. God. Yeah, they was, uh, they're all like in their wool outfits. Yeah. Know? Right. <laughs> just what every like brewery rep wants to see is, Oh, your tin cup. Yeah. Good representation of, of, of the product. That's going to be awesome. Thank you right. for this. This is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have some regulars that literally it's all they drink. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, and, is, that, and that's is, wild to me. Like yeah, I love a crazy. porter, but uh, you know, uh, I guess you have enough offerings, enough differences where it sounds like you have enough of a customer base to have this on and then have other things that people can kind of jump back and forth, which is good. And you make a good point, Kelsey, if people like this style and they want it and you don't have it they're they can't get it from you. Right. You know, you're leaving money on the table so to speak, which is a weird way to say it, but it's uh, I mean, it's true. You gotta, you gotta cater. And, I think it's cool and representative of your customer base that there's enough of them to warrant you guys making this beer. Yeah. That's cool. That's neat. I wish that we had more of that out here, but everyone (laughs) wants to chase the IPA. So yeah, this is a good beer. And you know what? I'll, I'll be completely honest. I cracked it. I drank it the first sip. I was like, ah, it's sort of more like, like a stout. It's roasty as hell. And like very, uh, the dark grains are very, very present. But the more I drink it, everything sort of mellows in my mouth. And I don't know if I was just maybe, you know, had some right to farm still on my palate or whatever, but I got used that to a that. striking change. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I got used to it and, and now I can see the porter and it's almost like, it's almost like the first layer was the roast character. And then that sort of gets absorbed by the palate. I don't know why I get these weird analogies and like, everything just sort of blossoms through that and it's it it changes in my mouth is i guess what i'm saying after the first mm-hmm. two or three sips it's drinking like a different beer and it's it's a little more a little more aggressive of an american porter than i've than i like to brew but it's fucking delicious mm-hmm. the grain choices are great there's uh, the sweetness to it it does finish dry like you said it's like that dry bitter chocolate notes in there the uh for me that um the 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 roast character dropped off after a couple minutes but it's like you know when you get like high cacao percentage chocolate and it's almost like tanniny or whatever Mm -hmm. it's not that level but it's similar it's a similar concept and and yeah it really is and i'm sort of curious what date you have i'm sort of trying to wrap my head around it Um, and i'm only curious because you know us brewers we sometimes make changes here and there. Fuck. I can't see because I have this cool little cave. I've designed my lighting to be a gamer <laughs> lighting system and I can't figure it out. Uh, let me see if I can Doesn't look matter. up. It's probably, uh, my guess is it's April or, or I'm going to uh, look now. Now you got me be. looking, dude. We my, like, my we eyes. like a little time. I like this beer with a little time. Six Oh eight. Yeah. It's okay. So that's fresh <laughs> actually for this beer. Is it really? Um, we, well, we, I mean, it's, we, we, you know, come this time of year, it's all fresh, but towards the end of the, towards the middle and end of the summer, sometimes we would be drinking three and four month old, uh, Porter. We, we yeah. give this 180 days, uh, pull date, meaning we, we give it six months. Okay. And, yes. and actually I've had plenty of cans much older than that of this beer that have been outstanding. I can and, see that with yeah, with the flavors like that I'm Porter getting. Just is yeah. so stable and yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. The so, roast mellows out a little bit and, yes. uh, and it, it, it becomes almost a little more creamy. And this yeah. is the, 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 the highest compliment I can pay anybody making dark beers is it smells and tastes like visiting uh, the Rogue Brewery in Newport when they're brewing a dark beer. I've been to that brewery. I don't know that what they were brewing when I was there, but the place is amazing. I love the, the that's that was like my my first craft beer so it's like my pedestal beer. Yeah. And it just it it, it I I drank it again it's it's fucking hot and it's like 80 85 in my studio. So it's it's roasting <laughs> it's roasting in of itself. Um so it's warming up pretty good but that's but it that that taste with that aromatic brought me back to walking into the brewery on brew day. Cool. Which is cool. So thank you for that. But uh, yeah, this is a very good porter. It is very complex. In a in a good way. This is this is like a re-education of of a porter drinker. Nice. I like it. It's very good. And I was complaining to myself during the break. I was like, "This is the problem doing these beers, doing these shows by myself. Is I have all these beers and I want to drink them all, but I can't. can't. I can't because I got another." <laughs> half an hour to talk and like pretend that I know what I'm talking about. So it's annoying, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good Porter, man. Wow. We're actually brewing it this week. Brewing it Wednesday. I like it. What yeast are you using? Do you have a house yeast or do you sort of float between we, yeast depending on style? We have a few yeasts. Um, all of these beers, uh, well, actually all of these beers that you've had so far, have had different yeasts. Um, <laughs> of course, lager yeast uh, for any of our lagers is, uh, we we mix it up. We've used a few different lager yeast. That particular one is, I believe, uh, the Vine Stefaner, which is at thirty four seventy German German lager yeast. And then okay. uh, the Kolsch yeast we use we get from Omega yeast. Okay, um, and we use their what they call Kolsch two, which I believe or o o forty four or some some number. Um, it's their less uh, less flocculent, more traditional. Uh, 029 basically is the 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 original number for colchis but uh but that yeah it's a traditional classic colchis and then for our all of our house beers we use an english strain that we believe delivers uh you know a good balanced ester without being uh overly fruity and it allows us to make bright beer it allows us to make hazy beer uh it's pretty versatile and it's it's you know, it's, it's taken us this whole way and, uh, wow. I, I love the yeast. Um, it works for us and, uh, we've, we've managed to make it work. Do you find it hard to manage a yeast bank like that? Like different styles and mm-hmm. stuff like that? Yeah. Yep. yep. How do you it overcome that? Easy. Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you figure that out without cross contamination? Really? Well, yeah. Cross contamination is less of a concern. It's more just like managing the harvest and checking viability. And we have this ah. uh, guy, Andrew, Gil, who's, who's our, uh, kind of yeast wrangler these days and he harvests and does viability tests and he gives us the amount of weight of, of yeast that we need for a particular brew based on volume of the wort, the gravity of the wort, the amount of cells that he's going to be giving us. And, uh, we have a small lab that, that he does this work in and basically Monday and some Tuesdays he's in there basically most of the day. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, like this morning he was in the end yeah, and from the office, Counting cells. Clicking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's and, cool. Uh, he's, and he's got a great brain for it. He's a real brilliant kind of diligent, studious type of guy. Yeah. Um, very intelligent. And so he's, uh, he's got a great brain for this kind of work. So it's, 
which just, he found his way. He worked in our tap room. We liked him. He showed interest in beer. He showed interest in brewing and now he's a brewer, you know, and I love it. And, and yeast wrangler. That's cool, man. I like that. I like that. That's a good job too. You're almost like placing an order with it. He's like just a supplier now. Yeah, now like, he's just the person that we rely on to tell us if our yeast is going to work. Yeah, here's what I'm giving you, and yeah. you can't say anything about it because this is this is what I tell you to do. Yeah, um, and, and no pressure, you know. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all, man. But we're gonna have a riot if you don't have Porter and Kolsch. What's going on? Um, it is hard when there's three different yeasts in a week. That part can be challenging. I just you yeah. know, but but we we you know we mix it up. We keep it rolling. Yeah, well, you don't mix it up. It sounds like. Try not Keep to it clean. Up the yeast. Have you ever had like a cross contamination issue? I mean, you know, where you're like, oh, this tastes like the Kolsch yeast in the porter. What's going on? No, we've had batches that we've dumped for sure because they weren't right. And we've also had batches that weren't right that we were like, oh, this is pretty good, though. So let's do something else with it. Yeah. You know, and that's like, Kelsey, come up with a label quick. Yeah. We need a label <laughs> in three days. You're like, <laughs> damn, we dude. We need a name. We need a label. We need yeah. a PC code. And, and, <laughs> and, and to, Kel- to, approval. <laughs> to Kelsey's credit, he has executed on that pressure on several occasions. Yeah, a boy. Um, not so much these days. Like, he's he, he kind of, you know, lassoed us in a little bit and was like, look, guys, I need five weeks. I, I yeah. can't get you a label tomorrow anymore. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And uh, we've gotten better at planning and executing so that that doesn't happen to our poor creative department. But um, yeah. but we have had beers that, that we've been like, this is really cool. Let's do something with it. And we got to come up with a name and we got to make sure that it's, you know, that it's that we're going to serve it and it's going to be something we're proud of, you know, and and uh, if we're not going to be proud of it, it's going down the drain no matter what it is, no matter what it costs. You know? I love it. Yeah. We dump batches of hair razor and that is a very expensive beer to make. <laughs> um, but we've also rescued a few that weren't, you know, maybe perfect right away. And then we were like, Oh, you know what? This is good though. This is, this is fine. This is on brand or whatever. Let's, let's crack um, another yeah. one. Cause I do want to talk about what makes you dump a beer and then how do you rescue a beer? Those are two uh, very interesting points. That I would like to talk about um, what should I, what should I open next? Uh, cat's meow. Market Gap? I'm imagining Market Gap. Well, I Go moved to the it. IPA territory. And then Harris yeah, is our thinking. double. It's IPA yeah. from here on out. So. Right. Yeah, so that's like closer to 7%. Six, what is it? 6, 6. 7. 7. Yeah. The Market so Gap? Mar- yeah. And, okay. and Market Gap, we decided to make, we started to kind of itch for some new hop varieties. And if you look at that, I believe that that is Idaho 7, Nelson, and what's the other one? Sabra. Sabro, yeah. Uh, Sabro, yeah. Sabro. I don't have seven Amarillo Sabro. All right, Amarillo Sabro. Amarillo. Right, right. Yeah. Can't keep them track. Ugh. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we 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 these are these are three hops that we don't use in any of our core beers or any of our other beers that we've brewed over the years. Um, besides maybe some Amarillo here and there. Uh but uh yeah, we we decided to come up with a whole new kind of concept. Uh market gap and short sell kind of go together, like Kelsey was saying. Um, and these are all, again, very high percentage of locally grown grains. So there's pale malts and probably some wheat, some fava. I forget what else is in there, but um, yeah, if I, I remembered I, it all, <laughs> I'd be. <yeah>. A <laughs> what I liked about, about this beer um, was, and, and kind of where the name came from, is, you know, you have your West Coast style IPAs and you have your New England style IPAs. What's in the middle? 
you know, where, where, where do those two kind yes. of, you know, uh, where does the Venn diagram kind of cross between those two styles? Porter. And what mm-hmm. I like about this beer is that it has, uh, yeah, um, it has that initial kind of juiciness that you'd get from a New England style IPA, yeah. uh, but then also has enough bitterness to kind of, you know, uh, hold its own. And uh, it's also not hazy. It's, it's fairly clear, uh, fairly bright. Um, and I think it just kind of really creates that nice balance and kind of fits that niche um, between the West Coast and the New England style IPA. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you on that. I'm not, you know, the biggest, everyone listening is going to be bored of shit by this, but uh, I'm not the biggest IPA guy, but I can, I can differentiate the styles. And I, I, I think you're right on that where it is in the middle because there is a firm enough bitterness to sort of like scoop up the juiciness and the, the cloudiness. I think that's a, I think cloud burst, I think in Santa Cruz or something, they, they cloudy instead of, anyway, um, there's cloud, everything we have cloud candy out here, (laughs) but like, you know what I mean? Instead of it's, it's not just like that overwhelming, like, Oh, here's the juicy, you know, thing that the kids are going for the, the bitterness is is firm enough there. Yeah. Very Which deliberate. Is, yeah, we want it. Yeah. I mean, all of our hop forward beers have bitterness. I don't like the whole approach to like make beer unbitter. Like if IPA is meant to be IPA, then it should have some IBUs. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I agree. It should taste like and, fucking hops. Yeah. And I'm fine if you want to make IPAs that aren't bitter. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to pay for them, and I'm not going to necessarily <laughs> want to brew them either. And we've made a few that have been, you know, like, you know, borderline very low bitterness. Okay. But the dry hopping levels that we're putting in some of these beers is such that the beer still comes off as having bitterness, you know. Um, and certainly, you know, tons of hop flavor, uh, which could be misconstrued as bitterness maybe, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're real proud of our, of our hops. I mean, we, we make a lot of beers with that are heavily hopped. So yeah. this is just another little, little example. I'm burping and I'm just tasting hops, like hop dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good, man. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can smell that. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah. This is the beer has a great aroma. Like you said, it's, you know, the juicy melony you know, aspect, but, but not, uh, not overwhelmingly so. And, and, and it's, you know, you, you talk about deliberacy, if that's a word, being deliberate with, with your, with your hop additions and your brewing, um, you know, there, there is a, a section of these IPAs where they're going for the, the juiciest, which is just tastes like the softest water you could ever taste. And, uh, like we're saying, that's not really what I want, even when I'm drinking these for the, for the show, I want I want to just I want to feel like I'm tasting a beer and that that soft roundness only goes so far and then it's just to me it's not really a beer thing anymore but this does orangina yeah right yeah orange Julius yeah but this definitely does fit that that bill the center of the Venn diagram like you were saying Kelsey it's very um fill in the gap yeah it's very in the middle how does this how does this do in in sales for you guys does it do pretty well are people well, we, into we it? We brewed one batch of it. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah. Fuck them then. But, it, yeah. but people, the response to that has been great. I mean, yeah. People really, they want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had uh, somebody come up to me the other day in the beer garden. Was like, like I drink a lot of cat's meow. That's that's what I drink. That's my thing. But uh, uh, he was like, but this market gap, I think it's going to take over. As my favorite beer that you make. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's a cool. Uh, we'll still buy some cat. You know, so of course. 
And I, I wonder if it's going to bring people back. I wonder if beers like this are going to bring people sort of swinging back a little bit. Like, yeah, pillowy, juicy thing. That's cool and all. But let's, let's firm this up a little bit. And then they drink this and they go, oh, well, maybe I do like hops. Because I do feel that a lot of the um, hazy beers are for non-hop bitterness heads. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's like entry-level Yes. Hoppy beers, yeah. Right. I, I, I have this funny story about that where I'm in line. I was at Treehouse, which I'm sure you've heard of Treehouse Brewing. Yeah. Um, so in their old brewery, two, well, one and a half breweries ago, but when they were in the little building in Munson, which was their second brewery out of the four, I believe, they've built um, at the time, they had, uh, you know, pretty good line situation where you had to wait for a while to get beers, and I was there getting some beers and uh and i was in line and i'm talking to someone i'm like oh yeah you know i haven't had a lot of their beers but i like them good people i'm just grabbing a few four packs for some friends and i'm like you know i my go-to is like sierra nevada the guy's like yeah i've never had that i'm like (laughs) you're standing in line at a brewery for IPAs, wow. and you've never had a Sierra Nevada. It's like saying I've never worn a pair of Levi's jeans. <laughs> it's like I've never breathed. Yeah. The guy has literally never taken a breath. <laughs> and I said, you need to go get yourself a six-pack of Sierra. I prefer it in bottles, but get it in cans <laughs> or yeah. whatever. And this was five or six years ago. And I, I or five, yeah, something like that. And so I'm like thinking to myself, is that actually a thing where – Everybody skipped. They went from I'm not even a beer drinker to drinking these hazy, yes. juicy, you know, or would uh, you know, beers, yeah, the IPAs that are not really reminiscent of the IPA that we fell in love with beer drinking, no. like you know, Sierra Pale, yeah, Anchor Liberty, Stone IPA, whatever, yeah. Um, and I they, think, yeah, I'm gonna say, I, I think we all grew up drinking Capri Sun. <laughs> and then there's just a natural progression from Capri Sun to Sun, Treehouse. <laughs> Sunny D. Or to any of yeah, them. Sunny it's, D. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, there's but, no fault in that. I just think that the no, consumer yeah. is missing a giant opportunity to educate themselves. You know, it's like you got yeah, it. I, mean, I was, it's like I was blown away like the first first time. And this is kind of, you know, old Danielle's at Cloud. Um, yeah, the first time I met somebody at, this is when I was working at uh, the beer store first uh, person who had never had a Budweiser before and had just grown up drinking craft beer. Yeah. And I was like, I've never had to have a Budweiser. Like I I was 21 and there was already a craft beer movement. And like, why would I drink Budweiser? And I'm like, good point. Like there's no reason to, but uh, yeah, but if that's your thing, you know, then good for you. But I think there's, there's also that, um, you know, that initiation that you go through from drinking a lot of crappy cheap beer from college and, and high school and, and else <laughs> yeah. um, elementary school. Go ahead, school. Kelsey. Yeah, Just let, air it out. <laughs> yeah. Statute of um, limitations is passed, man. It's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, you know, and I had, I had, uh, you know, my parents would allow me to have a little taste, you know, when I was sure. kids. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it, but I think there's, you know, we're, we're dealing with a whole new uh, generation of craft beer drinkers that you know maybe the the first thing they tried that was not a Budweiser you know was uh, a Treehouse you know or mm-hmm. was a Trillium or was a you know this hazy New England style IPA and that brought them into the into the you know into the culture yeah and you know and now that you know then they're like oh what else do do you have you know and I think some of those back to what we were talking about before bring it full circle I think those people 
are some some of them at least are expanding out and saying what else is there you know that I've been missing out on in this whole craft beer thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's happening a lot where where people, you know, they hear that oh this is great you've got to try this, and then they try it and they're like I dig that but I want to explore more. They don't just get stuck in this one world, little thing like you know Coors and AB and uh, all the you know Heineken all these brands have brand loyalty like nobody. We don't right. have brand loyalty like that in no. this part of the industry, but breweries like Treehouse and even us on some levels have some brand loyalty. Like we have customers that their regular go-to is cat's meow. And that's, um, that just blows my mind, but I still would encourage to every 10, four packs of cat's meow to maybe try something <laughs> else. <laughs> One of maybe your brands but, in a row, but right. Yeah, yeah for right, sure. Hair razor. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. some I other mean, beer that we make the other side of that, is that you haven't been around as long as Budweiser or Sierra Nevada. Five years. Five years. Five years. And you already have that hardcore subset of of customers that only drink this beer. And that's cool. And imagine these kids, when they have kids and then they grow up, hearing stories about how their dad drank this or their mom drank this. That's pretty cool. It's just a longevity factor. But you know what's going to happen. Like I my kid so. will I hear mean, about Sam it. Adams. It happened to Sam Adams. I mean, now people think of Sam Adams as dad's beer and I'm That's like, dad's beer, dude. Oh no, I'm a dad <laughs> and I get it. Like I grew up drinking when I was, I'm going to say 21, but I was 18 when there I went to go. UMass yep. and the spirit house had mix and match Sam, Harpoon, Long Trails, Otter Creeks, Shipyard, whatever. Yeah. It was 1991 and, uh, or 92 and, um, and it was $4.99 a six pack. You know, and it was a $20 case of beer was maybe expensive even then. Yeah. But it wasn't like it was like $3 more than a 30 pack of or a suitcase of they didn't have 30 packs yet, but a suitcase of Bud or whatever. So it was like a premium. But we were like, oh, we're we're drinking Catamount Amber. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) You know, and I didn't, you know, (laughs) part of me hopes that I live long enough that the New England style IPA becomes old man beer. <laughs> yeah, it will. It's yeah, in like it three years. It's about that. Or, you know, the, the English mild or the brown ale, you know? Right. God, <laughs> I, I, for that matter. I love a brown ale, water. dude. Give me an English mild. I'll be happy. Do you think we've, that... We've that, teased. We've wanted to make one since we opened and We just we haven't pulled the trigger. Fucking do it, bro. Uh, yeah, well, buy it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, I would. I honestly would. The, the, what it disappointed me the most, there was a there was a brewery in, in down in L.A. area who, who opened, and they were just doing traditional English-style beers, cask condition. And I don't go down to L.A. very very often, but, you know, when I did, I would I would visit there, and they, they fired their brewer and, like, hired another brewer, and they started making IPAs. And I was like, ah, it hurts my soul. It just, ah, the tradition. and the, But I love them. English mild all day. All day. Yeah. That's what I brewed. The, when I, the one time I brewed this year, English mild. Love it. Can't nice. get enough of it. Um, but yeah, this IPA is good, man. I like it. I think, like I said, uh, over and over again, um, it fits what you guys are going for. It fits that niche right in between because it is, you know, juicy, squeezy. Um, but it's also, there's a firm bitterness too. Kelsey, you said something interesting. You're like, I hope that New England IPA lasts long enough to be an old man beer i was hoping i last long enough oh well yeah okay well (laughs) shit that that ruins my question (laughs) no but that's okay yeah 
<laughs> but it you, makes I sense. Do have New People talk system. about it being a do fad. You? I do not think of New England IPA as a fad. See, that's me. That, I talk yeah. about that as being a fad. But it, but then why isn't West is West Coast IPA a fad? Yes, okay. because that, then then I can buy your argument. Because <laughs> because New England style happened. I think if West Coast was was the the apex of the of the fucking uh, whatever, right. then there's no way there's no reason to explore. But I think what happened with West Coast is we flew too close to the sun and yeah. we packed too many hops in. And I think maybe no, no offense, but I think maybe the East coasters and the Midwesters decided to try to outdo the West coast overdid it. Really? We did. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly just making a joke. I really don't feel that way, but I do feel like there were some brews who are like, well, let's go. Let's IBU chase. Yeah. And yeah, I think that maybe the 1 million IBU beer, whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and was, you know, you was, sort of, you sort of drive people away. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like West Coast IP has got too bitter for most people. Mm-hmm. East Coast uh, New England style IPs happened. That brought in a whole group of people because it is sweet and soft and has flavor. And I I don't like the style at all, but I understand it now. I I, I get it because when it first came out, I we had a lot of examples. I were like, I don't really. And then something happened a couple of years ago where like brewers started to learn how to make it. You know, it's like brute IPA. If, Ooh, it's like me started. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I probably feel this. I probably feel the same way you guys do. But I think that if that beer was marketed a little bit differently, or if if people learned how to make it better quicker, I think it would still be a thing. Yeah, it just went away. We made it one for our second anniversary, and then and we loved it for like three weeks. That beer was outstanding, and then it just yeah. went. Yeah, it like and literally fell right off. Yeah, and I super don't super unstable. I what is yeah. that what it was for you guys? That particular beer was real okay. unstable. Yeah. yeah, so it it fell apart real quick. And I oh, think really? it has to do okay. with the fact that it's bone dry. Yes, there's a yeah. ton of dry hops in there, right. and like you know some bitterness, but you know it just it was just this weird. Now the hops fall off. It was yeah, a weird style, and I I think it was just one of those like you know flash in the pans where. Uh, you know, people made it, they figured it out because uh, Social Kitchen Brewer, I forget the name of the person that, that made it, but just shared the information. He, yeah. Here it is. Everyone make the things. And Alpha Amelius. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if that was just sort of like the Rubik's Cube solved for everybody. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I, I did it. Right. And that's it. It's kind of, it's like molecular gastronomy, you know? Right. It's like, a, it's like a, can the science do this? Yes, it can. And yeah. this is kind of an interesting parlor trick, but do I want to eat a foam that tastes like a cheeseburger? No, I want to eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> I want to eat a cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah and, right. And I wonder if the result after figuring out the magic trick was, wasn't as satisfying as the result of a cloudy IPA is or a new England style IPA. Yeah, so maybe. I think that there is, and you tell me, is there a, some sort of satisfaction in actually brewing the thing? Because I talked to, Hanakoa, the guys in from Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, I just really enjoy making this style. I like it when we can make it. It feels good. And nobody ever really put it to me like that before. I don't know that. I mean, I think I definitely play favorites in the brew house about what beers I like to make the most. Um, but I don't really differentiate between IPAs in the okay. brew house. Like if I'm making IPA, I don't it, I'm making this IPA, that IPA. The malts in our brewery are pretty similar in all of our IPAs, like at least in certain varieties that we use. And we kind of have our own kind of approach to how we design beers 
from a grain standpoint. Yeah. Um, so if I'm just throwing another type of hop in there and we're treating the beer a little bit different or fermenting it different, or we're using uh, different mash regiments, that's fine, but it still smells like I'm making golden colored beer. That's going to become hoppy. Whereas a Kolsch brew is different. A lager brew is far different. A dark beer brew is like a whole nother level. So I think that that's a way to differentiate as far as I'm concerned. Like I like making any beer. I don't, Yes. Hold any real, I, I just, the fact that I get to do this for a career is pretty, is still really kind of surprising on some <laughs> levels. Um, I just still listen to my dad every once in a while at the very beginning of my career. And he would say like, he's like, I get that people have this as a career, but really like, this is what you're going to do. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, all right. I mean, let's go for it then, you know? Yeah. And, and he's, he supported me and was super proud of me. And, and uh, Damn. you know, so I, I see that as like, I don't play favorites. I still feel very privileged and psyched to do this every day. That's know? a good dad, man. What does uh, that yeah, feel like? It was, it was great. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Um, I opened Cat's Meow. Awesome. Because we're talking New England IPA. Might as well drink a New England. Oh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to change and, my camera position because it's right over my board, and I just, I'm going to slip one day. And you got the front and back there. Too. Oh, yeah. no way. Really? Is it? Tell me there's a butthole on the other side. It's on no, you're side. looking at it. <laughs> Oh my God, there is, but no hole, but that's great. I love it. Kelsey, is that you? Is that, that's your idea? Uh, well, I get, this one we also had the artwork for originally. Um, yeah, but the double-sided. Uh, another designer who, who drew the, the actual cat. Yeah, but and, uh, the double-sided yeah, can, is that Kelsey you? Kelsey made it all come together. Because that's, you, you yeah. need a raise. That's, I think that's the cutest right. thing in the entire universe. <laughs> uh, we it does are, well. Our cats me on nonic pints, and we sell those like nationwide. Because people hear really? that there's a, a, a pint glass with a cat on it, so uh, so it, lunatics like you and me and, and and Matthew because we all have cats. Yes. And I think that's great. <laughs> yep, I got another one right back here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the we knew. One. Oh, we I saw. People liked Don't cats. Worry. We didn't realize that. Like, you put cat on a hat, cat on the on the glass, cat on a t-shirt. You know, cat everywhere, and it yeah. it works. I mean, we sell beer in Japan now randomly just oh. we ship beer to japan and yeah. yeah the cats actually do pretty well in japan you know i can imagine surprise, that, that surprise. i can imagine yeah <laughs> yeah there's no um, doubt about that yeah so this is the, this you know the thing people ask what's your favorite right they ask that question a lot and like, i ask that i answer the question with what are you asking me yeah are your you favorite beer? Me which one which one do i like to drink which one do i like to brew which one actually pays the bills mm. well this is the one that pays the bills and I love to drink it. I love to brew it. I love to pay bills with it. <laughs> um, but every brewery has their kind of flagship, if you will. And every brewery has the beer that keeps the roof and the lights going and the, the people paid and and vacations given and, and uh, doors are open because of it. And that is this beer. Uh, it is over 50% of our volume now. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing um, to have a beer like that because a lot of breweries these days, newer breweries don't actually rely on the core portfolio. Like, like we used to. Right. Um, right. You know, Allagash white is 85% of Allagash's production. Like that's, that's the definition of how you become successful. That is so weird this, to me. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I never see it. it out here. That's the, that's the other thing. They I never see that minimal amounts to California. I'm sure. Oh, okay. um, yeah. California used to be their biggest market. Like a, is that true? The, yeah, yeah. It used to be Allagash's largest market. Yeah, and they pulled, they pulled back, obviously. Yeah. Smart. I mean, yeah. they all have. 
I mean, yeah. we used to get tons of Avery out here and tons of like other beers from outside the market. And now it's, it's slimmer. It's definitely mostly locally, you know, locally made beers. Yeah. Kind of flood the market. That's you know? shifting, which is good news for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's good you news know? in every market because it yeah. supports the local economy, you know? Exactly. And, uh, yeah. But I mean, with cat, it's, it, it was, uh, um, we, we knew it would be the, the biggest seller. I mean, it wasn't any surprise that if we call a beer, the cat's meow and we <laughs> make it, and we make it taste good. And, you know, Kelsey works as well, better taste than if we call it the cat's meow. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And that you can't put out a mediocre beer and call it. The so cat's that meow. looks, that looks a little hazy to me. What do you think? Yeah. Is that hazy? <laughs> yeah. Hazy. And it, you know what? I will say it's the, the, my makeup tutorial light is doing a disservice to it because it looks like gravy and it's not how it looks to like normalize. No, it's not. So if you're watching this on YouTube, there's definitely a more orange, a uh, light orange tint to it. So, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the hazy thing. I understand it, but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me, which is sort of why I enjoy talking about it on these shows. And I think I'm gonna get a lot of shit for it because I've always campaigned against it, but over the years, I, I, I like talking to people like you guys who make it, who enjoy it, <clears throat> because it gives me a chance to try something new and to learn more about it. So I'm going to ask you, like, what, what should I be tasting in here? What are the flavors coming through? How should it develop? Because I have a, I have a sense of, of, of the beer already. I mean, I'm a super taster and I'm a professional, so I have <laughs> since we're already, but I, I like to hear from you guys too. What, What's going on in this beer? I'm going to give that one to Kelsey since he is our our Cicerone level two. Cicerone. Oh, he hell our, yeah. He is our super yeah, I am a certified Cicerone. Congrats. Um, thank you. Um, but uh, no, I, I think uh, the El Dorado comes off uh, first. You get that kind of um, orange tang kind of character with a little bit of like grapefruit pith. Yep. Um, and uh, what I really like about the cat's meow is that it does still have a little bit of a bitter backbone. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so you do get some of that bitterness that comes through, um, uh, a nice light mouthfeel. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, it's not thick, like, uh, you know, like, like orange juice thick. Um, but it has a little bit of a, that nice pillowy mouthfeel. And, um, you know, I, for me, it's a beer that I drink all the time and, I am a New England IPA drinker. <laughs> I love it. I love the style. So uh, I forgive you. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, mm. but, yeah. And you know, I, I, if somebody like says, "Well, what do you know about beer?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a certified cis around." So <laughs> right. Um, and I'm the general but, uh, manager of a brewery. Yeah. I'm a yeah. Brewery. <laughs> and I'm also a human fucking being. I want to drink this. Leave me alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. Go away. <laughs> yeah. um, but I like that kind of orange juicy kind of character. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's just uh, enjoyable. I can go back to it. Uh, my one complaint about the New England style IPA is that it's shit for pairing with food. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really hard to do good okay. pairings with it, but, okay. um, you know, so when people are like, Oh, let's do a beer dinner. I'm like, oh, yeah, um, how can I fit cast me out in there? <laughs> so, right. What's, um, what's, what do you think the, the, the barriers or what's the problem? What's the clash? Um, I mean, it, the main thing you, you would normally want to like pull off like the flavor profiles you want to pull out of that are, are the citrusy characters. Mm -hmm. Um, but the bitterness on that 
makes it tough to like if like if you want to go citrusy, you could say, oh, it might be nice with like uh, you know some grilled shrimp or um, you know, maybe like a pear salad or something like that. I was uh, thinking of salad put, too, bro. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, salad. Yeah. yeah, but that bitterness then comes back at the end, right. and um, you kind of overpower can overpower a, a light dish like shrimp or you know or, or like a pear salad or something like that or anchovies. But, you put yeah, a I, dish we made with anchovies. I think would be re- would yeah, be rad. No anchovies. Yeah, maybe like a, a, a like a Tell Caesar me. salad. See a Caesar salad with a heavy anchovy paste. Kelsey, yeah, let's go. I'm going to recruit yeah. you for my new gastro pub. Sorry, Matthew. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> for for me, I think also one of the combative pieces of of these beers is its texture uh, when it comes to yeah. food. Okay. Uh, the the mouthfeel I think is is a, it can be problematic when you're trying to pair it with food because you're like, you know, it's just it, not that it's heavy, but it's 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 heavy on the on the mouth. It is like you know the te- texturally it is. It's yeah, coating. There's there's a yeah. w- there's a weight. There's 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 a weight to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it and does on, change. It is there. yeah. And and this one is it's it's almost it feels like more bitter than market gap. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it now. Lower. Uh, well, I wouldn't say lower IBUs. I would say different. Um, okay. You know, this beer is dry hopped with an excessive amount of Eldorado and Citra. And there's a touch <laughs> of uh, most there's mosaic in the whirlpool. So it's got all, it hits on all the, you know, yeah. the, the, the hops that people are familiar with, I think, and also are done are used in this manner. You know, it's not such an uncommon thing, although the Eldorado is a twist, but I could, the way we use it. I could um, definitely see yeah, people think, crushing nonics yeah. of this, like you were I saying. I love it. Yeah, I, do. I can definitely I that see that because so it it is, yeah. and it's that bitterness that cleans it up. And I think that's uh, my, uh, 40% of my issue with these beers is that they're that cloudy, juicy thing, like we already talked about, um, doesn't feel like a beer, but if you have that goose at the back end to kind of like make it remind you that you're drinking a beer, I think it's fine. And and that's what this does. So I, I could, I could 100% understand how people will just sit on your patio and pound 20 ounces of this. It's very, very that's drinkable. Okay. Yeah. I've been known to do that. So. <laughs> I've seen him do it. It's just Kelsey. That's it. And don't look at the security cameras. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a good beer. What what yeast did you say you use in this? Uh, you were you you it's, have a, the house it's, yeast. It's uh, English yeast. Yeah, English it's yeast, an yeah. English yeast strain. Yeah. Okay. Wow that that still just makes it like that. Wow. Yeah, they're not supposed to do that. You know, English right. yeast traditionally was supposed to be like heavily flocculent, so it would drop bright and create a clear beer. Yeah. Um, but we've managed to you know. Let's just say we've managed to fuck with it enough that okay. So it's is it is it less strain dependent and more how you treat it in house? Um, I would say yeah. I would say our process is what's helping us do this consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we dry hop beers, we get some biotransformation. We're getting yeast and hop contact, uh, and we don't we don't we don't, we don't uh, dry hop during fermentation it's more towards the tail end of fermentation okay right um but that helps to you know give us a stable haze do you want to tell me how you do that no okay (laughs) that's fair i had to ask i had to do it because if i didn't i would get a hundred emails from listeners going i want to do this too (laughs) well tell them to email me and i'm happy to help them out oh shit 
Well, then why don't you just tell me? I just had a home brewer come by who uh, was yeah. looking to do a, a cat's meow clone and uh, brought us some samples of, uh, after conversations that he had with Matthew, of his, his attempt. Yeah, 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 we have some of his beers. How was it? Fridge. We haven't tasted it yet. We got to we got to do it on Friday. Yeah. Oh damn! Yeah, but I I mean I'm I'm happy to share. In fact, I love to share some of our processes. I think yeah. the big thing for us is the way we dry hop. We use an inducer. We're not just dropping hops in the top of the tank. We're actually spinning the beer, allowing the hops to fall into the stream of beer while it's spinning, and that's what's giving us I think a majority of our uh, stability. Maybe not the haze necessarily but it's given us that stability to allow us to hold the haze permanently in the beer interesting um, which, okay and, yeah and we don't use any additives we don't use enzymes we don't use tanale or any of these other sort of tricks that uh f- you know people use flour they use whatever i mean we use flour because we use grain and there's flour and grain. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a big thing early on in the, in the hazy beer thing where it's like oh people use flour i'm like really just throw handfuls of flour in the beer. Right, like you're not right making a, the, like right a roux or anything, dude. Right in, yeah. You're making a roux basically. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> call it gravy. That was always weird. That's always what I call it. I just, they're the gravy beers, but uh, I knew, I knew. Yeah. I, I remember reading about brewers that had done that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's one wow. way to do it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think those sort of like heady days of learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think now I'm hope at least now the information is out there to sort of make these a little bit, you know, we, we figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, let's take another quick break. Everybody. We're going to be right back. I have one more beer to drink. It's a double IPA. And then we're going to wrap things up with here with the boys from exhibit a brewing in Massachusetts. Hang on. We'll be right back. You're listening to the brewing network because like beer radio shouldn't suck. Hey, thanks for sticking around, everyone. It's the session. We are on with Matthew and Kelsey from Exhibit A Brewing. And I'm about to pop a double IPA, which is called Hair Razor. And I love the logo. It's a little like a bunny rabbit, almost like like a cyberpunk bunny rabbit. I don't know why that comes to mind. It's, no. <laughs> Punk rock rabbit. Yeah. yeah. And then the back is. A lot is, of people reference a uh, Donnie Darko. Like from Donnie Darko or something. It really does, but. dude. That's what I got too. And I'm like, well, I don't want to say that. But. Uh, that was not the inspiration there. <laughs> no. Um, but that's just that. In that like zeitgeist of, of, I don't know, rabbit culture, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, weird rabbits. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, tell me about Hair Razor, please. It is. It looks like a cloudy, hazy double IPA. Yeah, it's. I mean. The, the malt in that beer is actually not that different from Cat's Meow. There's certainly a higher gravity. So it's a it's an 8% beer, whereas Cat was 6.5%. Uh, okay. It's loaded with hops. I mean, there's Galaxy in the Whirlpool. There's Galaxy Mosaic, Azaka. Uh, help me, Kelsey. What else is in there? Uh, uh, we've got... Uh, put Amarillo in there? No, no Amarillo. Oh, there's okay. T- TNT, Cashmere. TNT. There's also cryo hops. So we use cryo uh, mosaic and cryo ikuna and cryo izaka. So those are the cryo hops are, are you basically it's a lot of the vegetal vegetal material is removed um, and it's basically pure oil. Um, so they're really aggressive and fun to use uh, on the dry hop side. Yeah. Um, also our English strain of yeast for that. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's part of the core. It's, it's definitely our most popular uh, selling double IPA. 
Um, I think Galaxy is one of those hops that people like and they gravitate to it, uh, which has been, uh, I think, is, you know, helpful for the brand. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are aware that it's got that in there, although we don't really advertise those things. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny because it was my least favorite logo when we first, or, or brand, <laughs> if you will, when we first, when Kelsey first created it. Originally, we had an idea to use a spider, which was 86 immediately when we realized that my partner hates and is probably just afraid of spiders. So he oh, just, he's, like, oh. he's arachnophobic. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah. So he didn't want the spider and, and the inspiration for me was actually a, uh, it was a David Bowie reference, not hair razor per se, but using this kind of spider idea and hair razor and, and, and then Bowie died. Yeah. And I decided I can't make a Bowie reference now because it's too, it, you know, it just seems too, uh, deliberate, you know, like okay. capitalizing on the man's death or something. So we didn't, yeah. so Kelsey was like, I've got an idea. Don't look at my computer f- all day. Basically. <laughs> Don't come near me. Get the Don't fuck away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he created this punk rock rabbit character and everyone around me loved it. Like Eric in our tap room, Adam in the tap room, uh, Dunstan who's one of our, was one of our brewers at the time. Everybody liked it. And I'm like, I don't get it, but I'm just going to go with listening to you guys because it seems like you're really passionate about it. Kelsey yeah. was proud of it. And anytime Kelsey's going to be proud of something, we're psyched about <laughs> it. Um, and we just went with it. And it's become a very popular image for us. And people love the image and they love the beer. You know, and I don't if know. You I don't... Look at the uh, rabbit's earring. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny little spider. Right, so, uh, so that's my, still reference. There. <laughs> so that's my oh. reference to the uh, the old label. Wow, wait, yeah, 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 that's cool, man. Yeah, it's a good it's a good logo, and it's it's distressed a lot, but not too much. It's good. It's a good, nice little. Uh, so nice do you hold your can up? Which, which which version of the can do you have? Yeah, so okay, you have the older yeah. version. So we've actually yeah. done a design element behind it. So now it's it's a black can still, but it has this kind of swirly, kind of interesting metallic. Like a little steampunky kind oh, of cool. metallic. Nice. Yeah, I don't have any of those here to show, but the, so Kelsey, <laughs> we've been working on kind of updating each one, just one at a time, just for you know little changes, little updates. You got to do it, man. You got to stay yeah. current. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a this is a delicious beer as well. It's uh you know again it's it's yeah it's like you're saying it's it's like cat's meow but imperial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's heavier. It's sweeter. It's hoppier. Um. But not more bitter. I think the hop. No. I feel like a hop flavor comes through a little bit more. Yeah, I think the alcohol yeah. sweetness is probably balancing that out. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think it does have an assertiveness to it, but um, it is. It does sort of. But, pu- but, it's yeah. it's pushy. I've never. <laughs> this is a word I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a description that's, I'm going to use. It's a pushy beer. Really smart. That's a good word for it. I mean. Come to the brewery and do sensory with us at eight thirty in the morning. I would love on, to when it's on hair razor day. Yeah, like on it's usually Mondays when we're kegging, and we have like th- two or three or four beers in front of us. And if it's hair razor, it's like whew, I've been up since maybe four or five on a particular Monday, and it's like now I'm drinking hair razor, and it's like eight fifteen, and and it's it's it is aggressive. It's pushy. It's mm-hmm. a beast. You know, we in the brewery, we're all like, oh. Do I really have to do sensory on razor today? <laughs> well, you can <laughs> you, know? you can push it later in the day, you know. No, no, because we can't do it. We can't keg until we've approved it, you know. So we're tasting oh, it. Oh, so you're tasting it off the John. Final approval. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Damn. 
<laughs> pre-packaged, pre-packaged sensory. Wow. So bless yeah. everybody who works for you, Matthew, because that's <laughs> this morning was my favorite. We we have a new beer coming out called Focal Point, which is our Dunkel Lager, slightly smoky oh, Dunkel Lager. Yeah, yeah, and that one we did sensory on that this morning, and it was delightful. It was. Beautiful. I'm disappointed that we didn't book you. I don't after know that, that. I don't know that Kelsey got us. I don't know that you got a sample. I did not. No, I didn't get a sample. So, no. Kelsey, well, you're in the office. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a you know if you're gonna do a hazy double IPA, this is how you should do it because it is it's almost reminiscent of Market Gap in in as much as it's hopped the 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 hop flavor is like a double IPA, but the malt. And the mouthfeel is more like the hazy IPA, and it's sort of it is sort of like between an IPA and a double IPA hazified. Mm. There we go. You know what I mean? It is. I like it, yeah. So I think you guys have this really cool niche of of taking I don't these think IPAs. It like eight percent. No, it doesn't. No. Yeah. Um, but I th- I think you can take these IPAs and you sort of like parse them out, you know, and and you sort of take the essence of one and you can make it another thing. And take elements of that and produce a totally different beer that's reminiscent of the first beer. I think it's a pretty unique trait to have. Yeah, yeah. we like to have. I what, like it. You know, we want people to recognize our beers in our portfolio. You know, we want people to drink a beer and be like, "Oh yeah, that's an Exhibit A beer." You know, and that's not necessarily easy to do. Um, no. And uh, and obviously, got to rely on someone else's palate too, which is a whole other <laughs> realm. But yeah. but for us, when we drink it, we want to make sure that like, yes, that is on point to what we're trying to do. It's deliberate. It's it's you know, it's it's approached. You know, the design and concept of the beer, whether it's the the marketing side of the naming or or just the liquid itself, it all has to fall in line with what we want for our brand, for our company, for our people. Well, I'll tell you, so, the burps are tasty. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, guys. That's the review. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The burps are tasty. Uh, we'll let you guys go. Where can people go to find more about your brewery? Uh, you can go to exhibit-a-brewing.com, which is our website. Um, that's the home base for all of our information. Um, we're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram as Exhibit A Brewing, Twitter, Exhibit A Brewing, and so we're now on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Exhibiting oh, brewing. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so we're uh, zero twerking allowed on on our TikTok channel. Oh, that but, sucks. That's too um, bad. I don't know. If Matthew wants to twerk, I guess we'll, no, we'll throw it. There will be no twerking. <laughs> um, the other ways that you can find out about our beers is going to your local retailer. Certainly in our area, mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, um, we are in over two thousand retailers now wow. throughout New England. That's crazy. Uh, we actually sell beer to California. Uh, through the Beverage Alliance, uh, you can get our beer in L.A. County, in San Diego. Nice. I believe, I don't think we've shipped beer to San Francisco yet, um, but we can get our beer in Arizona. You can also get our beer in Osaka and Tokyo in Japan. Wow. Um, through in, in, event, in vending machines in Japan. And, that's the, that's if the, you live in, the if best you live in Virginia, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, D.C., um, we're also being licensed. Um, Nebraska? Uh, I think in Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, we can actually legally ship to you as well. So oh, there you go. Ship it right to you. So you can yeah. get it online. You can go to the website yeah. and figure all yeah, that you can out. Go to the website. You can nice. place an order. Uh, we'll drop ship it to you. And uh, we recommend yeah, because of the shipping costs, we recommend doing at least three, four packs. Sure. But, um, those don't make sense because you're going to pay like fifteen bucks in shipping. But <laughs> right, yeah. might as well um, get all you can. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Don't 
don't don't spend sixteen dollars on beer for and fifteen dollars on shipping. <laughs> <Right>. No, <laughs> definitely don't do that. All right, guys. Well, thank you for the time. We'll let you go. You. Uh, I really appreciate, appreciate it, guys. Exhibit A Brewing from Massachusetts. Thank you guys for listening very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you to our sponsors, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com and learn and get everything you need to make great beer at home. Absolutely everything. You want to make beer, you want to make wine, you want to make cider, you want to make kombucha. Uh, let me rewind the kombucha because I don't really know that to be true. But I guarantee you that someone that works at More Beer knows how to make kombucha, whether or not yeah. you can get the, the mother or whatever. Um, just ask them questions. They'll be fine. But uh, yeah, anyway, we, we buy stuff from them too. We buy oh, nice. valves from them and oh, clamps yeah. and Hell parts. Yeah. yeah. yeah cool. People over there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye bye. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. JP's an asshole. Justin's a nice guy and winning the race. JP does great as his charity can.